that's a bingo. Is that the way you say it? That's a bingo. You just say bingo. Bingo! How fun! How fun indeed, ladies and gentlemen, it is! Welcome back to Short Story Bingo. My name is Nate Chacon III. If this is your first time, welcome. If it's not, the retention program is working. Uh, what I do on this podcast is I'm a glorified narrator to stories you have heard and some that you have not. It's like Libro.fm, sorta. Welcome back! Episode 57, is that it? Are we on 57, George? 57, yeah, 57, yeah, yeah. Um, last week uh, we read out of uh, we read from Saki H H Monroe and the story of Laura. Uh, super fun. That was honestly like um, my most favorite one to date. Uh, so go check that out and check out all the other uh, episodes as well on, on YouTube. Obviously, uh, all of our episodes are on all podcast streaming platforms. I certainly appreciate everyone's support there. Like, follow, subscribe. Um, definitely gives the algorithms uh, a kick in the ass when you guys do that. So I certainly appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Uh, This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Extraterrestrial Media. Uh, If you need a film and music video, record an audio single, or get a drone shot of your business or home, need consultation for a project, and much more, visit extratmedia.com. They have a range of services to help any of your media needs. Uh, We're also partnered with Libro.fm, as mentioned. When you make the switch, enter Story Bingo uh, at checkout for your new membership to receive two audiobook credits instead of one. Libro.fm makes it possible for you to buy audiobooks through your local bookstore, giving you the power to keep money within your local economy. Create local jobs and make a difference in your community. Visit Libro.fm, enter Story Bingo at checkout. Uh, It gives you also the ability to connect with your local bookstore. For myself, I've connected with the King's English Bookshop, which is located on 1511 South, 1500 East here in Salt Lake City, kingsenglish.com for uh, online orders as they um, have pickup service available. All right. Woo. Man, we are uh, here. We're now. um, I know that there's a lot going on as far as the recording this um, one day after uh, the official election. So... You know, tensions are running high, but, um, what, you know, whatever side you're on, um, it's a fucking fantastic day. So I hope you, uh, got through it and, uh, feel good about whatever the fuck we're doing. So there's that. Um, I had to address it somewhat. Um, with that in tow, let's just get into our random Twitter follower shout out. And today it is always never ready for this. Fuck. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Uh, at Stacy, uh, at hate wank maggot 45. So that's wonderful. Word up, Stacy. You're the random Twitter follower shout out for today. Um, today we will be reading. Finally, from H.P. Lovecraft, I have this awesome book here, Tales of Horror. Uh, my gal got it for me, and I have yet to even read from it. Um, admittedly so, which is fine. Um, but H.P. Lovecraft, in full, Howard Phillips Lovecraft, uh, American author of macabre short novels, and um, has a honestly got, got his a majority of his fame, fame posthumously. How do you say that? Post posthumously after he died fucking is when he got a lot of his 
um, his uh, his popularity was gained. He uh, actually lived a, a lot of his life um, desolate and in poverty. So to say it lightly, give people roses now. But we're going to be reading uh, The Outsider, and I'm very excited about it. Um, I certainly appreciate everyone that's been on board. Email me, shortstorybingo at gmail.com. Follow at Gabino underscore Grimes, at shortstorybingo, at George Life, at Extra T Media. Thank you, guys. Episode 57, Short Story Bingo. 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 Sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're sad. Most of the time they're funny because I hate to be sad. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. But don't take my word for it. Spare fingers. Yes. All right, all right, episode 57, we're about to get into it. The Outsider by H.P. Lovecraft. Unhappy is he to whom the memories of childhood bring only fear and sadness. Wretched is he who looks back upon lone hours and vast and dismal chambers with brown hangings and maddening rows of antique books or upon odd watches and twilight groves of grotesque, gigantic, and vine-encumbered trees that silently wave twisted branches far aloft. Such a lot the gods gave to me. To me, the dazed, the disappointed, the barren, the broken. And yet I am strangely, strangely content and cling desperately to those seer memories. When my mind momentarily threatens to reach beyond to the other. I know not where I was born, save that the castle was infinitely old and infinitely horrible, full of dark passages and having high ceilings where the eye could only find cobwebs and shadows. The stones in the crumbling corridors seemed always hideously damp. And there was an accursed smell everywhere as of the piled-up corpses of dead generations. It was never light, so that I used sometimes... Uh, it was never light, so that I used sometimes to light candles and gaze steadily at them for relief. Nor was there any sun outdoors, since the terrible trees grew high above the topmost accessible tower. There was one black tower which reached above the trees into the unknown outer sky, but that was partly ruined and could not be ascended save by a well-nigh impossible climb up the sheer wall, stone by stone. Sounds like you live in a fucking cave, man. Sounds like you live in a terrible, terrible castle, and you have not seen the light in forever, and so you look at uh, the candle as it's burning. Sometimes that's super therapeutic, though. If you've just like, looked at a flame and... I'm talking mostly of like you're, you know, maybe on shrooms or something, but, uh, that's it's, this doesn't sound like this is like a, you know, awesome place to be in, but he has, or she, uh, this person, uh, being has said that they have, uh, become accustomed to it. So, all right. I must've lived years in this place, but I cannot measure the time. Beings must have cared for my needs, yet I cannot recall any person except myself or anything alive 
but the noiseless rats and bats and spiders. Noiseless? Uh, but the noiseless rats, bats, and spiders? Uh, they make noise, Doug. I heard about this dude in New York that fell through a sinkhole. And he said that the most terrifying thing wasn't dropping in the sinkhole, but it was being covered in rats that were below the surface. So when he dropped in the sinkhole, which was on the sidewalk, he fell in, dropped, and he said he couldn't scream or anything because if he opened his mouth and the, the rats would like go into his mouth and what, what have you. Anyway, that's what that sounds like. That's what I would imagine rats would sound like, but these rats are noiseless, so that's weird. But also, he can't recall anybody else that's been in there, so sad, man, you know? I think that whoever nursed me must have been shockingly aged. Since my first conception of a living person was that of something mockingly like myself, yet distorted, shriveled, and decaying like the castle. To me, there was nothing grotesque in the bones and skeletons that strode some of the stone crypts deep down among the foundations. I fantastically associated these things with everyday events and thought them more natural than the colored pictures of living beings, which I found in many of the moldy books. From such books, I learned all that I know. No teacher urged or guided me. And I do not recall hearing any human voice in all those years, not even my own. For although I had read of speech, I never thought to try to speak aloud. My aspect was a matter equally unthought of, for there were no mirrors in the castle, and I merely regarded myself by instinct as akin to the youthful figures I saw drawn and painted in the books. I felt conscious of youth because I remembered so little. Outside, across the putrid moat and under the dark mute trees, I would often lie and dream for hours about what I read in the books and would longingly picture myself amidst gay crowds in the sunny world beyond the endless forest. Once I tried to escape from the forest, but as I went farther from the castle, the shade grew denser, and the air more filled with brooding fear so that I ran frantically back, lest I lose my way in a labyrinth of nighted silence. So through endless twilights I dreamed and waited, though I knew not what I waited for. Then, in the shadowy solitude, my longing for light grew so frantic that I could rest no more. And I lifted entreating hands to the single black ruined tower that reached above the forest into the unknown outer sky. And at last, I resolved to scale that tower, fall though I might, since it were better to glimpse the sky and perish than to live without ever beholding day. In the dank twilight, I climbed the worn and aged stone stairs till I reached the level where they ceased and thereafter clung perilously to small footholds leading upward. This sounds like a, a climb, dog. Like, so I'm, I'm, you know what? Good for you, man, for making the decision to get the fuck out of the tower. You, you did it, man. You fucking did it. You know what? Or are doing it, you know, because it's not done yet. But congratulations to you, sir, for really figuring it out. Honestly, and as I'm reading this, I really don't want to stop much because he because H.P. Lovecraft is an incredible writer. So 
Um, it's very easy to, you know, keep the story going. But still. All right. Till I reached the level where they cease and thereafter clung perilously to small footholds leading upward. Ghastly and terrible was that dead, stairless cylinder of rock. Black, ruined, and deserted. And sinister was startled bats whose wings made no noise. So creepy. But more ghastly and terrible still was the slowness of my, co- of my progress. For climb as I might, the darkness overgrew, overhead grew no thinner. And a new chill, as of haunted and venerable mold, assailed me. I shivered as I wondered why I did not reach the light. And would have looked down had I dared. I fancied that night had come suddenly upon me and vainly groped with one free hand for a window embrasure that I might peer out and above and try to judge the height that I had attained. So he's looking out, you know, like, okay, I'm going to just look and see how far I got. All at once, after an infinity of awesome, slightly, slightless crawling up that concave and desperate precipice, I felt my head touch a solid thing. And I knew I must have gained the roof. Or at least some kind of floor. In the darkness I raised my free hand. And tested the barrier. Finding it stone and immovable. Then came a deadly circuit of the tower. Clinging to whatever holds the slimy wall could give. Till finally my testing hand found the barrier yielding. Ooh, so it's opening. And I turned upward again. Pushing the slab or door with my head as I used both hands in my fearful ascent. There was no light revealed above. And as my hands went higher, I knew that my climb was for the nonce ended. Since the slab was the trap door of an aperture leading to a level stone surface of greater circumference than the lower tower. No doubt the floor of some lofty and capacious observation chamber. I crawled, through, I crawled through carefully and tried to prevent the heavy slab from falling back into place. Ooh, goddammit. But failed in the later attempt as I lay exhausted on the stone floor. So he got through. Is that what I'm... Yeah, he got through. As I lay exhausted on the stone floor, I heard the eerie echoes of its fall. Oh, shit. So he tried to grab it and it didn't. And so it's just like, yeah, it's falling. Okay. Of its fall, but hoped when necessary to pry it up again. Believing I was now at a prodigious height, far above the accursed branches of the wood, I dragged myself up from the floor and fumbled about for windows that I might look for the first time upon the sky. And the moon and stars of which I had read. But on every hand I was disappointed. Since all that I found were vast shelves of marble bearing odious oblong boxes of disturbing signs, size, more and more I reflected and wondered what hoary secrets might abide in, the, in this high apartment so many eons cut off from the castle below. Then, unexpectedly, 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 <laughs> then unexpectedly, my hands came upon a doorway where hung a portal of stone, rough with strange chiseling. Trying it, I found it locked. Well, well, but with a supreme burst of strength, 
I overcame all obstacles and dragged it open inward. Got that adrenaline strength, you know? That that mom picking the fucking car up because they see her she sees her kid there strength. And if he's in there in this you gotta admit I, I in my head, like since he's been in this castle for so long, how strong is he? You know what I'm saying? And how high is it? How long did it take? Obviously, again, this story, but days, weeks, months, how, I mean, frail, what, I mean, he's not doing insanity in there, you know, or T25, not fucking, I don't know if they knew what push-ups were, I mean, he had to have known, anyway, he moved that shit, so that's good for him, as I did, as I did so, there came to me the purest ecstasy I've ever known. For shining tranquility through an ornate grating of iron and down a short stone passageway of steps that ascended from the newly found doorway was the radiant full moon. Whoa. Which I had never before seen, save in dreams and in vague visions I dared not call memories. Damn. Like just looking up and seeing the moon for the first time. It doesn't even mention how old this being is. So, well, says that he doesn't, rem- or they don't remember. I keep, I, I don't know which pronoun to use, okay? Fuck. But, yeah, seeing the moon just like radiant and just being like, oh, wow, that's the moon, huh? Okay. Well, I mean, a little bit of a disappointment, but yeah, it looks great, you know? Fancying now that I had attained the very pinnacle of the castle, I commenced to rush up the few steps beyond the door. But the sudden veiling of the moon by a cloud caused me to stumble. And I felt my way more slowly in the dark. It was still very dark when I reached the grating, which I tried carefully and found unlocked, but which I did not open for the fear of falling from the amazing height to which I had climbed. Then the moon came out. Most demonical of all shocks is that of the abysmally unexpected and grotesque grotesquely unbelievable nothing i had before undergone could compare in terror with what i now saw with the bizarre marvels that sight implied that sight implied the sight itself was as simple as it was stupefying for it was merely this instead of a dizzying prospect of treetops seen from a lofty eminence there stretched around me on a level through the grating nothing less than the solid ground Decked and diversified with by marble slabs and columns, and overshadowed by an ancient stone church, whose ruined spire gleamed spectrally, uh, spectrally in the moonlight. So he's just tripping that he's like out and seeing this stuff. His is this. So the name of the. Okay, so yeah, it's called The Outsider. This is the first time that he's like seeing just like a church, even? I mean. Was this fucking tower below ground or something? Or castle below ground? Is this an underground castle? And then coming up to the top, he sees the church and is astonished by it. And that's like more ghastly to him. Yeah. Well, I get it. I mean, he does, it's all unfamiliar, so unknown. So I understand. Okay. Half, uncon- half unconscious. I open the grating. 
and staggered out upon the white gravel path that stretched away in two directions. My mind, stunned and chaotic as it was, still held the frantic craving for light. And not even the fantastic wonder which had happened could stay my course. I neither knew nor cared whether my experience was insanity, dreaming, or magic, but was determined to gaze on brilliance and gaiety at any cost. I, not, I knew not who I was or what I was or what my surroundings might be. Though as I continued to stumble along, I became conscious of a kind of fearsome lit, latent memory that made my progress not wholly fortuitous. I passed under an arch out of that region of slabs and columns and wandered through the open country, sometimes following the visible road. So he's just out in the open now, okay. But sometimes leaving it curi uh, curiously to tread across meadows where only occasional ruins bespoke the ancient presence of a forgotten road. Once I swam across a swift river where crumbling mossy masonry told of a bridge long vanished. Over two hours must have passed, not sure how you know time, over two hours must have passed before I reached what seemed to be my goal. A venerable ivied castle, one to the next, all right, in a thickly wooded park. Maddingly, maddingly familiar, yet full of perplexing strangeness to me. I saw that the moat was filled in, and that some of the well-known towers were demolished, whilst new wings existed to confuse the beholder. But what I observed with chief interest and delight were the open windows. Gorgeously ablaze with light and sending in forth sound of the gayest revelry. Revelry. Advan advancing to one of these, I looked in and saw an oddly dressed company. Indeed. Making merry and speaking brightly to one another. I had never seemingly heard human speech before. And could only guess... And could guess only vaguely what was said. How are you writing this? You know? If you don't know what the fuck they're saying. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Some of the faces seemed to hold expressions that brought up incredibly remote recollections. Others were utterly alien. Just not sure of like how, you know, uh, reactions. Crazy. Um... Okay, utterly alien. I now stepped through the low window into the brilliantly lighted room. This has to be super foreign, super foreign. Stepping as I did, uh, stepping as I did so from my single bright moment of hope to my blackest convolution of despair and realization, the nightmare was quick to come. For as I entered, there occurred immediately one of the most terrifying demonstrations I had ever conceived. Scarcely had I crossed the sill when there descended upon the whole company a sudden and unheralded fear of hideous intensity, distorting every face and evoking the most horrible screams from nearly every throat. Flight was universal, and in the clamor and panic several fell in a swoon and were dragged away by their madly fleeing companions. Many covered their eyes with their hands and plunged blindly and awkwardly in their race to escape overturning furniture and stumbling against the walls before they managed to reach one of the many doors. The cries were shocking. And as I stood in the brilliant apartment alone and dazed, listening to their vanished echoes, 
I trembled at the thought of what might be lurking near me unseen. I'm guessing it's him that they're running from. At a casual inspection, the room seemed deserted. But when I moved toward one of the alcoves, I thought I detected a presence there. A hint of motion beyond the golden arched doorway. Leading to another and somewhat similar room. As I approached the arch, I began to perceive the presence more clearly. And then, with the first and last sound I ever uttered, a ghastly ululation, a ghastly ululation that revolted me almost as poignantly as his nauseous cause. I beheld in full, frightful vividness, the inconceivable, indescribable, and unmentionable monstrosity which had by its simple appearance changed a merry company to a herd of delirious fugitives. I cannot even hint what it was like. For it was a compound of all that is unclean, uncanny, unwelcome, abnormal, and detestable. It was the ghoulish shade of decay, antiquity, and desolation. The putrid, dripping eidolon of unwholesome revelation. The awful bearing of that which the merciful earth should always hide. God knows it was not of this world. Or no longer of this world. Yet to my horror I saw in its eaten away and bone revealing outlines a leering abhorrent travesty on the human shape. And its moldy disintegrating apparel. An unspeakable quality that chilled me even more. I was almost paralyzed. But not, too, not, but not too much so to make a feeble effort toward flight. A backward stumble which failed to break the spell in which the nameless, voiceless monster held me. My eyes bewitched by the glassy orbs which stared loathsomely into them, refused to close, though they were mercifully blurred, and shooed the terrible object but indistinctly after the first shock. I tried to raise my hand to shut out the sight. Yet so stunned were my nerves that my arm could not fully obey my will. The attempt, however, was enough to disturb my balance so that I had to stagger forward several steps to avoid falling. As I did so, I became suddenly and agonizingly aware of the nearness of the carrion thing, whose hideous hollow breathing I half fancied I could hear. Nearly mad, I found myself yet able to throw out a hand to ward off the foetid apparition which pressed so close. When in one cataclysmic second of cosmic nightmarishness and hellish action and accident, my fingers touched the rotting outstretched paw of the monster beneath the golden arch. Damn, so it is a monster. Okay. I did not shriek. But all the fiendish ghouls that ride the night wind shrieked for me as in that same second there crashed down upon my mind a single and fleeting avalanche of soul-annihilating memory. I knew in that second all that had been. I remembered beyond the frightful castle and the trees and recognized the altered edifice in which I now stood. I recognized most terrible of all the unholy abomination that stood leering before me as I withdrew my sullied fingers from its own. 
But in the cosmos there is balm as well as bitterness. And that balm is Nepenthe. In the supreme horror of that second, I forgot what had horrified me. And the burst of black memory vanished in the chaos of echoing images. In a dream, I fled from that haunted and accursed pile and ran swiftly and silently in the moonlight. When I returned to the churchyard place of marble and went down the steps, I found the stone trap door immovable. But I was not sorry, for I had hated the antique castle in the trees. Now I ride with the mocking and friendly ghouls on the night wind, and play by day amongst the catacombs of Nefren Ka in the sealed and unknown valley of Hadith by the Nile. I know that light is not for me, save that of the moon over the rock tombs of Neb, nor any gaiety save the unnamed feast of Nidacris beneath the Great Pyramid. Yet in the new wildness and freedom I almost become the bitterness of alienage. I almost welcome the bitterness of alienage. For although Nepeth has calmed me, I know always that I am an outsider, a stranger in this century and among those who are still men. This I have known ever since I stretched out my fingers to the abomination within that great gilded frame. Stretched out my fingers and touched a cold and unyielding surface. Of polished glass. And that is The Outsider. By H.P. Lovecraft. Episode 57. So yeah. He gets out and realizes that he scared the shit out of everyone. <laughs> and and he was horrified even by himself. His own image. And you know, obviously wraps it up by saying it was. You know he was looking in the mirror. And being outside was not for him so he tried it made it out and uh clearly was not for him but i applaud him for trying to get out that's big ups to him short story big up fucking episode 57 you know Woo! Oh, man, that was fun. All right, man. Thank you guys so much. Uh, make sure to check out all the other episodes below. Um, and, you know, if you're going on a long trip, download some shit so that you can make sure that your trip goes by successfully. And, well, and be safe while driving. Um, don't fucking stream or go through your phone while driving. Or do whatever you want. I don't care. Anyway, I certainly appreciate everyone and all the uh, emails I received for the last episode. Actually, there's a couple that I was laughing at because they were... Um, trying to discern what was in the YouTube video of the, what looked like, um, uh, a squirrel, but wasn't a squirrel. It was like a Wolverine squirrel thing. So send in any sort of emails you got short story, bingo at gmail.com. Make sure to follow at George life at extra T media at short story, bingo at libro.fm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, one more time, if you have any sort of, uh, media needs, um, extra media.com. You can put in, uh, you know, your detail or excuse me, your information and click submit and, um, that George will get back with you on, uh, whatever, uh, you know, media needs that you need to have addressed. Um, but yeah, episode 57 short story bingo. One more time, big ups to our uh, random Twitter follower. Shout out, shout out Stacy at hate, hate, wagget, uh, hate, wake, maggot 45 uh clearly doesn't like uh well whatever you got it <laughs> uh, so yeah um 
I know there's something I'm missing. I'm always missing something at the end of the episode here. Um, didn't, let me look through here to see if there's anything that I miss. Oh, you know what? I did miss something in the intro, and we're going to go through it right now. So while I'm pulling that up, we'll listen to a little bit of this. Uh, yep. We're going to pull up the countries and the states. I forgot to do that. I'm pretty sure that those... I, I was looking at them yesterday, and they may have switched up. So... Okay, here we go. Okay, here we go. Wow, yep, I was correct. All right, so shout out to the world. Yo, shout out to Canada, the Netherlands, and Poland. All right, top three states. Um, Iowa, Idaho, and Texas. So, um, that's interesting. I have, uh, I don't think I've ever read off Iowa, uh, for being a top state that's been listening, but, uh, thank you to all of you, uh, Iowa cyclones out there that, uh, have been listening. Uh, one more time at short story being episode 57. My name is Nate Chacon the third. We just got done reading HP out of HP Lovecraft tales of horror, the outsider. Um, and I hope you enjoyed it. So yeah, I'm out. Dun, dun, dun. Spare fingers. Yes.